This is the Six Figure Creative Podcast, episode 170. Welcome to the Six Figure Creative Podcast, where our mission is to help you turn your creative passions into a stable, reliable income. If you're in audio, video, design, photography, or really any other creative field, and you just want to learn from other successful creatives, you're in the right place. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Creative Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood, and I am not here with my big, bald, beautiful co-host, Christopher J. Graham. Instead, I'm here with a, just somebody that had to, I just, I needed somebody. So I got this guy. He's just, he's here. This is like his fifth time on the podcast. I don't even know. Mark Eckert. Hey, Mark. Here I am. Harry, happy, ready to help. What's good? Hello. (laughs) We're live on the air. I'm with my uh, sexy, very excited to be recording a podcast day person, Brian. (sighs) Okay, so correction, we are not live. This is edited, thank God, because this is probably going to be a train wreck of a conversation. A, because you and I have never co-hosted an episode before. This is not an an interview, by the way. This is a co- Basically, Mark's taking Chris's place. And then second of all, we will both mess up today. And if this were live, then people would see how how bad we actually are at this. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, to put in some perspective, Brian called me up. He was like, hey, man, you, you want to do this thing with me uh, today? And I was like, yeah, yeah, why, why not? And the studio that I'm always working out of, we just put a bunch of new gear in and I don't even know where the mic's set up or anything. So I'm at Enoch's spot who works with us. Yeah, he works for me and he's like the best person in the world. I, and I uh, totally am just running his apartment today. So thanks, Enoch. He was in the other room. Yeah. Yeah. So like you, you literally took over this, this poor dude's apartment. Like you just said, get out of here. This is a video podcast. So you have to go sit in your room. You can't use your own apartment. I'm going to use your studio mic. I'm going to take over everything because you literally in your own recording studio, you don't know how to set up a mic and camera. Yes. New, new spot, new problems. But aside from all of that, I am qualified. I'm credible. I'm hairy, happy and ready to help. So if you needed any credibility indicators, Mark has been on this podcast at least two or three other times as a guest. And today he is uh, the first time being a co-host. So yeah. today's episode, we got a treat for anyone uh, still watching right now. We're <laughs> going to talk about something that will literally double your income if you're not already doing it. We have talked about this so many times in the past, but we've never, I don't think we've really even dedicated an episode to it like we are today. Uh, this is, and I quote an article we're going to be referencing a lot today. I quote, the follow-up is the most important communication that you can have in your business. And Mark, you were saying earlier, you think it's even more important than your first impression. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think it's really easy to meet somebody for the first time. Like if you're just, for instance, if you're walking to a club, you can just nag somebody be like, hello, and then they'll look at you. But getting them a second time to actually meet with you and actually talk about serious stuff, that's really difficult. It's like, Getting a date on Tinder is not very difficult. Getting a second date from the same person on Tinder, very difficult, which is why I met my wife in person because she didn't have an option. Anyways. So I met my wife on Tinder, so I have mastered the art of the follow-up, which is why I'm I'm co-hosing this episode. That's why I brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, but yeah, no, I I really honestly think it's probably more than double your income. Like I, I really think... At the very least, if you're following up with the right people, at the very least, it would 10x your income. And yeah. Last time I looked this up in my own business, I've actually done the numbers. I've looked up, it's like follow-ups, like following up at all, like at least one follow-up is like 50 to 60%, something like that. But following up like six plus times is where like 20 to 30% of my income comes from. It's like an insane amount for like a lot of follow-ups. The thing is, is that, and I think the problem with following up, I don't think it's like a, I don't think it's a good word because you're not like the term follow-up is just not great because it just sounds like you're annoying somebody. It's like a doctor's office. Hey, I'm following up about, you know, United Health Insurance didn't get back to us again. You know, that's just annoying. It's just got this whole connotation to it. Really, the way that I view it is like, you know, I'm literally just waving at somebody again. That's how I'm looking at it. And I think a lot of people take following up or just, you know, sending another email or sending another text or calling somebody another time, whether it's like a month later. I think they don't understand that they probably just didn't even see it. Or maybe they were in a bad mood that day. You have no clue. Or they were just busy. Like the amount of calls I've gotten when I was just busy. And my friends think I'm a jerk. And then I call them back and I'm like, bro, not a jerk. I was out to eat again. You know? So I think it's really about changing the mentality about the idea of following up is you're probably not annoying. 
this is just how it works. And every single person that you look up to, whether you're a photographer, a music producer, you know, whatever you are in the world or what you want to be or what you're already doing, the people you look up to, the vast majority of their stuff has come from follow-ups, just straight up. Yep. So in this episode, we're going to tackle, I guess one of the, there's two major issues really that people have. First one is getting over the mental roadblock of actually following up the fear of it and being rejected or annoying people, which we'll probably talk, we'll, t- we'll touch on a little bit through this episode. But the other reason people don't follow up because they don't really know how to. And so in this episode, we're going to address the five different types of follow-ups that you can use whenever you're following up with people. And also if you are, if you're a music producer, recording studio owner, someone in the audio space, I do have a free guide on this. Just go to followup.guide. It's a PDF that gives you my 60 day follow-up sequence for closing clients over a 60 day period. So so there's like templates in there. It kind of, it's a really good companion to this episode. So just go to followup.guide. And if you don't know, if you can't reach that for some reason, it's always in our show notes at sixfigurecreative.com slash 170 for this episode. So let's dive into this, Mark. Um, just so you know, there's, we got this, a lot of these things that we're discussing today, at least some of the templates we're, we're pulling from is actually from an article that brought, uh, Mark brought to me from Medium. It's actually forge.medium.com. Forge is its own brand, but they use Medium, which is like a public facing blog. And the title, uh, the title of this article is, pause for dramatic effect. The follow-up is the most important email you'll ever write. And it's so damn true. But Mark, you, you put it a really fun way. This is the art of the nag. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're just, this is, guys, you know, you don't even have to think about the, the title of this email. We're really just training you how to be my mother. That, that is literally what's going on <laughs> is you're going to feel like me as a child. That's, that's what we're learning today. But yeah. I think like, again, it's the most important thing you'll ever do. And, you know, again, it's the art of it. There's, there's a... Uh, there's a lot of different ways to go about it while you don't feel annoying about it. So I think that's the most important thing. All right. So follow-up type one is the type of follow-up that you use when you haven't received a response to a cold outreach email. And this could be email. This could be direct message on social media, whatever your cold outreach method is. But for anyone who is ever sending out emails to people that they don't know, it's cold. In other words, like there's, there's no... There's no relationship there. If you actually, if you go back to episode 152 of the podcast where we interviewed Anthony Craparota, <laughs> I can never say his last name <laughs> without laughing. I'm so sorry, Anthony. But he built a multiple six-figure video agency by actually doing cold outreach. And so go back and listen to that episode. If you aren't using this in your business, that episode is really good for you to kind of maybe sway your opinion the other way. But he's, again, he's making multiple six figures a year by doing uh, cold outreach. And this is a good follow-up to use when you are following up to someone that you have reached out to and they have not responded. Did you have something you wanted to add to this, Mark, before we read this template? I think before like really even going into all of these different, you know, template styles, I think the basis of following up or, you know, just reaching out to somebody is that there needs to be a specific reason to what you are writing. If you are just saying, hey, I'm just following up or hey, I'm checking in or whatever, and that's all you say, all that is doing is it's just giving that person anxiety. (laughs) If your subject is like following up, it means like, oh my God, I'm annoyed by somebody. Oh, I, I, you know what? I'm logging off today. I'm having issues. So I think the main thing is you should have an objective before you're writing anything to anybody. Because without an objective, you're not going to achieve a goal. That's like that. That's the whole thing. So there's different reasons of why you should be reaching out to anybody and just make sure, you know, following up with anybody, there's different things you're trying to get from any relation or any, whether it's a customer or, you know, anybody you're working with, there needs to be a reason behind why you're reaching out. Yeah. So for when you're reaching out to people that are cold to you, when you're doing cold outreach emails, First of all, I would only suggest following up one time with people. I've been the recipient of like a long chain of follow-ups to a cold email in which I didn't I had no interest in replying to. And I'll tell you right now, like I have, I do not have hold the person in high regard that was emailing me cold and following up multiple times. Now I have had many people email me once and then follow up once and I don't hate those people. So that's something worth noting. And I've also had somebody reach out to me via cold email and got what they were looking for out of me because it was such a great cold email. So I know right. it can work and I know the follow-up can work, but don't overdo this. So one follow-up and the, the whole objective of the follow-up with a cold email is to simply get a reply. You're trying to, that's the objective. You're trying to initiate some sort of conversation because without conversation, there is no relationship. And without a relationship, there is no 
customer client relationship, whatever, whatever it is you're looking for. There is no, there is no further step. So that's the objective. Uh, Mark, do you want to go over this kind of like template that uh, she wrote in this article as an example for the cold outreach uh, follow-up email? Yeah, sure. So again, when you haven't received a response to a cold email, so this is just contacting somebody for the first time, you don't really know them or whatever, and uh, they haven't responded. So Mark, hi, I was glad to see Shark Tank is back on. Your investment in those robot dogs was inspiring. I'm writing again to see if I can book you as the headliner guest of my podcast, Shark Talk, which just celebrated its 10 millionth download. This would involve a 30-minute call done at your convenience. I'd love to release your episode the week of the season finale. Would you have 30 minutes before the end of the month? Let's break this down because there's a lot going on in this in this email. And I'm breaking it down into just a few sections here. We'll, we'll kind of cover these quickly, but we've got a lot more to cover today. So we're not going to like belabor this whole thing. First of all, this is obviously to Mark Cuban, Shark Tank fame. This example is not entirely relevant to the six-figure creative community, but we'll bring it back to our community just so you can understand how this all works. The first thing is... She says, hi, Mark. And then she says, I was glad to see Shark Tank is back on. Your investment in those robot dogs was inspiring. The whole point of this first sentence is to establish that this is a personally written email and not a mass blanket email sent out to a thousand other people. It's incredible how few people do this in cold emails and in follow-up emails to personalize it, to show that this isn't just simple spam, mass spam. So that's the first thing. Second part is I'm writing again to see if I can book you as the headliner guest of my podcast, Shark Talk. There's the ask. That's what, that's what the whole, like, what, what does this person want from me? Anytime you're reaching out cold to somebody, they're thinking, what does this person want? She gets to the point very quick of this. The very next thing is I'm writing again to see if I can book you as the headliner guest of my podcast, Shark Talk. So you've got that out of the way. And then she says, which just celebrated its 10 millionth download. There's a point of, that's really worth pointing out. And that is uh, social proof. Mark, can you talk about why that she puts the 10 million download thing in this email? Well, so I think it's really, really important because if she's talking to somebody like Mark Cuban, you have to think, what is she wanting out of this? Is that Mark Cuban is going to give her a lot of credibility and it's going to add a lot to the podcast, people who are listening to the podcast, right? It's going to be really awesome that Mark Cuban is on there because he's a big deal. That being said, Mark Cuban is, as we said, massive. He's not going to do something if it's not going to move the needle forward in his life, so to speak. So he needs to know that he's not wasting any time. And while writing that out, you may think it's a flex or you're bragging, but no, you're just saying, hey man, we're operating on the same level here or a level that is at least respectable to you. I'm not asking a lot from you. And I think this could help you actually. I have 10 million downloads and there's millions of people that would be listening to something you're doing. So Let's say you're, you know, in his mind, he'll be saying, oh, I just invested in this new thing on Shark Tank. Wow. Here's 2 million potential customers for me. You know what? I'll put in a half hour of my time. I'll talk to her and then I can get a couple, you know, 100,000 people over to this new thing. So think about this from your perspective as a freelancer. Like if you're, if you're reaching out to somebody that you want to connect with in some way, whether it's what I call a gatekeeper, somebody who controls lots and lots of projects for you potentially, or whether it's a potential client that you want to connect with, think through it from the perspective of like, what do you need to say to first tell them what's in it for them? Why, why should they respond? What's in it for that person? And two, what can you say to indicate that you are worth responding to? Those two things are, are rarely added to cold emails and are, a must if you want replies. I'd like to add to that. So, you know, in this example, you know, the emailer is talking about the millions and millions of downloads and you, you might be saying to yourself, oh, I'm a photographer, right? What, what is, you know, how does this relate? I don't have millions and millions of actions, but I do have like some credibility or something like that. So I was talking to my buddy, Daniel this morning, who's a photographer here in town and he was trying to work with a specific agency and they do a lot of corporate work. So these are like, you know, $10,000, $20,000 gigs and he's doing a bunch of headshots. Well, he was like, how do I get in with that sort of stuff? And a big thing I always, you know, I have this written down. I always think about this. You should write this down if you're listening. The best way to work with Coca-Cola is to say you're working with Pepsi. He had worked with another company here in town. And he just name dropped and said, hey, so he started out personal. I really love your guys' take on, you know, this industry. It's very tasteful. It's amazing. I just got done working with so-and-so. I would love to see how we can help you with blah, blah, blah. And it, it was easy. He got the gig. Obviously, it took like a week to negotiate, but he got the gig. 
So there's a, there's a couple things at play there. One is he did have that established relationship and kind of name drop that he could use, which probably took him years to get, but likely he got that relationship and that name to drop from something that was maybe a little smaller than them. So he's kind of stair-stepping his way up the ladder. So think through, if you're thinking through, who should I email to try to get as a client or a relationship in my life? Who's someone that's within the realm? Like you're not going to skip six steps if you're trying to climb a staircase, but you might can skip one or two steps. Yeah. And if you're a photographer, yo, bro, or sis, talk it up. You know, let's say you were just doing a shoot with a couple of your homies by a, a river or something like that with background landscape shots. You can say, we just had this all encompass three day shoot on site, blah, blah, blah with so-and-so. <laughs> they love that. They'll lead it up. It's fine. And you're not lying. Part of it is making sure you're properly positioning and explaining the things yes. that you do. <laughs> But, but we'll move on from this because that's, that's like a good, it's, we got a lot of good stuff here. Uh, there's one more part that she adds into this email that's worth ex, uh, explaining, especially if you're talking to busy people who don't have the time of day. She goes on to say, this would involve a 30 minute call at your convenience. I'd love to release your episode of the week of the season finale. Would you have 30 minutes before the end of this month? So she gives it, she's actually two things that she does there that's clever. One is she, she lets them know what the time expectation is because he's busy, but she does something very clever there. And she, she adds an, a deadline to this. She wants this episode out by the season finale. So let me know if you have time 30 minutes before the end of the month. Why is that important, Mark? Because it gives him a little bit of a nudge to respond to it. Hey, I have 10 million people. I'm dangling this little fruit in front of you. If you want this fruit, this is when you can eat the fruit. And so that's going to give him or realistically his a thousand assistants. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The man is a billionaire. So yeah, if you're a billionaire, you're not answering your emails. Yeah, but it, it gives kind of a nudge to say, hey, here's this potential opportunity for you, which is that's a play, bro. That's a play. Yeah. And, and the other reason I think this is an important thing is when there's a deadline, it forces someone to make a decision by default. We'll talk about this a little bit more, maybe through the rest of these, some of these other templates we're talking about or these, these follow-up methods. But if there is a deadline, it forces them to make a decision. If they're not forced to make a decision, then a no decision by default is a no. If they don't make a decision, the decision is always by default a no. So when you force a decision because of a deadline, there's a chance they will say yes. Yep. And th this is, you know, this is the, the grand rule of sales is don't let them make the process for you. Just present some options. This is why if you go to a restaurant, they have a menu. If you imagine going somewhere and being like, oh, I would like a circle of meat with two buns on one side of the other. And then I want you to go and get lettuce and put it. That's a hamburger. You order a hamburger. They say how much it costs. Give them an option. That's it. It's simple. Do you have time or no? Thank you. Goodbye. That's a good point. All right, let's move on here. So that's the that's the kind of the, the framework for the follow-up for when you have not received a response to a cold email. This is actually a common one we get all the time. A, should I ever follow up with cold people that I've emailed? And B, what the hell do I say to people that I've cold emailed when I follow up? Because it's awkward and I don't know who they don't know who I am. So there's a good, a good framework for you. Moving on to number two, the second follow-up type is when you need to establish a deadline. This actually goes hand in hand with what we just said here, but this is the kind of follow-up you use whenever you are trying to say, like, hey, this is this is the line in the sand. Like, it's time to it's time to figure something out here. So this actually goes hand in hand with the end of that last email. Mark, do you want to read this uh, this template? And just so you know, I used this exact template on a, on a client that I have, and it worked. It was great. I've used this type of email so many times, and it's in my CR, CRM stats, my customer relationship management stats. This template is the most opened and the most replied to of all my follow up templates. It's not being mean, but it's just stating that you're standing ground or whatever that saying is. I don't know. And by the way, if you want my exact line in the sand deadline email template, make sure you download my guide at followup.guide. And that's in that uh, PDF, that 60 day follow up sequence. Beautiful. All right, cool. I'm going to act as narrator. Justine, I hope this has been a good week for you so far. Our project is moving along nicely. Here are outstanding items we need from your team. One. Completed employee timesheets from February 10th to February 17th. Two, updated org chart, I guess organization oh my chart, God. with new hires added. I can, I can just, I can hear people turning off their podcast right now. This is so uh, businessy. Get, get through the damn template. We'll, we'll, we'll rewrite this for the creative community here. Here's a list of stuff. And then I need to deliver these to a corporate office by end of day Wednesday. Can you please send this by noon tomorrow? Thank you. 
let me just say this. This is from that article we read, and we want to give full credit to this article because these these follow-up types are from that email or from that article. And these are all great things. That template to me is not that interesting or that good. So I want to actually present my own type of response that I like to do in these situations when you need to establish a deadline. And the most common deadline that we need to establish is when we're in a sales conversation. When we have talked to a potential client, they're on the fence. They need time to think or they need time to uh, get money together or they have some loose ends to tie up or they need to talk to a decision maker, like a, someone that they, you know, there's something they have to do before they can actually make the decision and you're waiting and you're waiting. And if you keep waiting in perpetuity, what will happen is they'll ghost on you. And it's because they never made a decision. <laughs> and this deadline should, you should have a deadline type email for your follow-ups when it comes to quotes you've sent out or sales calls you've had or whatever. So the follow-up for this should be something like, and I'm, and I'm really just spitballing here, Mark. So please forgive me if I screw this up, but it's like, Hey, Joe Schmo. There's my made up name. Hey, Jojo. I sent you the proposal earlier this month. I hope you found it to your liking. Please God, don't say that. These are just made up. I, I could come up with better, way better examples if I wrote this out. I hope you found it to your liking. There's a few points in there that may be worth discussing further if you would like to jump on a call. If you're not ready to move forward, I totally understand. I just need to either mark this proposal as lost and move on, or we can jump on another call and discuss any questions that you might have. Please let me know by X date if you're ready to move forward or if you're not, if you would like to end this proposal. What this does, and that's a terrible example. I, if I, I thought it was pretty good, Bri. Don't be so hard on yourself. Okay, thank you. You're such a positive person, Mark. <laughs> I'm way better at writing things out than I am of just coming up with them off the top Best of my head. I'm substitute sure. co-host ever. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Uh, substitute co-host. Yeah, that's your title from now on, Mark. I'm down to be that. Yeah, so the whole point of this, though, is when you send a proposal out or some sort of client agreement out or some sort of thing that they would typically sign and then pay a deposit, depending on what your process is, everyone's onboarding process is different or sales process is different. So the whole point of this is when you send one of these things, always have a deadline on it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that deadline is the great thing that allows you to send this deadline email or the foot, the line in the sand email. If you don't have a deadline on a proposal or a client agreement or some sort of quote you send out, if you don't have a deadline attached to it, that is clear to see, then it kind of feels like you're making up arbitrary deadlines. Even if you are making up arbitrary deadlines, the fact that it's written on a proposal saying this proposal expires or this quote expires on X date, the fact that you put it on there is a good enough reason to reach out to them, let them know the deadline's coming up and to reach out if they have any questions or if they'd like to get on a call. Any, any, I know you have thoughts on this, Mark. Yeah, and I, I think another thing to kind of go on with that is like, obviously you're establishing a time, et cetera. But I think when deadlines are important is when really somebody is having to opt into something. So I think this is kind of like a whole thing. Anytime you're establishing a deal with somebody, maybe they're not officially working with you or stuff like that or you're, you know, you're trying to get them into a sale, something, they have to opt in to taking action with you. Like they, they have to make a conscious decision to do something for you. Whereas an opt out situation is something like paying your utility bill. It's just going to draft from you every single month. You have to take action to not pay them. So when you are the thing that a lot of freelancers experience, and when I was only producing full time, now I'm doing a bit in music licensing, obviously, Brian, you know that. But when I was only producing, you know, a big thing is that the standard is that you invoice people or, you know, there's maybe 50% down and then they pay 50% after whatever. There's more things for them to do afterwards. So what you need to kind of realize to yourself is if somebody is naturally if another party, if somebody else is naturally in an opt-in situation where they have to make a decision to do something, you just need to set the expectation for yourself so you don't get so discouraged. It's normal to nag people. This is how it goes. Nobody wants to see less money in their bank account, even if they're getting value from you. You could do the best damn job in the entire world. Oh my God, it's amazing. You did the best job. They got the biggest deal of their life and you brought their you know, great grandparents back from the dead. Like you did all these amazing <laughs> things at the end of the day, they don't want to see less money in their account and that's okay. So just expect that you're going to nag them. It's okay, but set that expectations internally or else you're going to get really discouraged. W would you agree, Brian? Oh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And, and you saying all that made me think of something. And I, I don't know why I think I do this a little bit, but I've never 
put just a solid policy in place in any of my businesses. And that is when there's an opt-in activity involved that a client has to do something, they have to physically do something, enter a credit card, or they have to physically send a file or send revisions or something to me. Putting a deadline on when they have to have that thing by in order to hit a deadline of my own or in order to get their stuff by this date or in order for us to finish this month, there needs to be a deadline and then a consequence from missing that deadline. Well, yeah, I have, I have a clause in, in a, a production contract where basically if somebody doesn't, if we're not working for over a year, like we can't do any more revisions. Like that's done. I don't, I'm not having all of this stuff saved. If it's like 40 gigs of stuff, like, yeah, I can have it backed up, but then I have to reload everything. Maybe the files are messed up or something. So once a year hits, like, and if they haven't contacted me, that's it. So it's good to have like deadlines of actions on part by the buyer. Yeah. So deadline. Yeah. There's like, we could probably have a whole episode just on Ugh. deadlines to add to your business. Let's have a 10 episodes on revisions. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just thinking through anytime you're waiting on the client to do something that they need to take an action on. That's where I'm thinking deadlines where I'm waiting on them for something. There has to be a deadline. And there's a, there's, there's, there's plenty of like, not even in just sales, but like when you're waiting on files that your client's supposed to send you, or when you're waiting on them to do something, to get ready for something, like put a deadline on it and just let them know if we miss this deadline, here's what will happen. And as you approach the deadline, this email that we just talked about, you should always have an email of establishing a deadline or a consequence to a deadline coming up. So just have a lot of these saved if you do set deadlines. And I think, and this will be kind of the last thing on it so we can get to the next one, I would imagine, but not to go too off tangent, but it's really good at a start of a working relationship. And I'm sure you talked about this plenty on, on the podcast so far is establishing expectations because what you don't want is for a client to feel like they got a bait and switch is if you set the expectations, Hey, if I need something done, unless you are sick or, you know, anything reasonable, I expect an action within two weeks because I've set this time aside for this specific project. I'm running as an agency. The more time I spend on you, the less my other clients get value. So we need things done quickly. If you set that immediately, they, they agree to it. It's totally fine. And then they know it's their fault if they're not doing something right. But if you establish it later on or say, hey, you know, here's going to be uh, a problem, they're, they're just not going to comply and you're going to end up with a bad taste in their mouth and they're going to say, don't work with this person to all of their friends. Yeah, it's funny you say, you mentioned this. I actually, last week I recorded a video about this, this subject on creating a, a rock solid client agreement that properly sets expectations like this. So that'll actually be out on YouTube next Thursday. So keep an eye out on, on yeah, just go to sixfigurecreative.com slash YouTube, subscribe to that YouTube channel, and you'll get that video when it comes out. And also the video also comes with my whole template for sending client agreements as well. So that's something to look out for. All right, let's move on to follow-up type number three. And this one <laughs> is the one that I have to facepalm on because I screwed this up the most in my life. When you need to check in with a client, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just keep this framed in the, the situation of sales. Like when you need to follow up on a sales conversation, just to check in, there's plenty of times you would just check in with a client, but I want to keep this to sales related because when we talk about follow-ups, and doubling your income, we're talking about it in relation to following up with leads who have not purchased from you yet. People you've had conversations with, you've sent quotes to, and they just never actually, they never sent you your, the deposit or your money. So in this situation, sending a check-in follow-up is important, but this is where I screwed up. And if you read my follow-up guide at followup.guide, don't follow what I do in on this specific follow-up because I literally do the rule that's stated in this Medium article that says this. The rule is, Never send a just checking in email that's only about checking in. Always Trojan horse the nudge. Express some other point and then put the nudge at the end. So in my email, I literally have, and I have, I think maybe multiple ones I send in the follow-up sequence that are just nudges, that are just like checking in to check in. How are things coming along? And I'm like thinking they're like, I probably should have gussied those up a little bit. Have some sort of like, hey, something happened that made me think of you. and blah, blah, blah. Oh, by the way, I can't wait to get started with you. If just let me know when you're ready. Like that's the, that's the like Trojan horse she talks about. Can you talk about Trojan horses in this regard, Mark? Yeah. And kind of just going into the checking in thing. Let's make this like, you know, screw the whole idea of, Oh, I'm running a client business, but let's just think about life. Okay. Let's think about dating. That's basically everybody can relate to this. If you've ever watched my YouTube videos, like I, I reference dating analogies more than anything else. Yeah. All of this is dating. Honestly, you could probably just read some dating books and learn most of the things you know in business. All right, simple thing. Nobody likes to double text. 
Don't send a Ooh, double text. No, or worse, the triple or quadruple text. Explain, ex- explain what that is, Mark. All right. Well, you know, let's say I'm going out on a date with somebody before my lovely bride, Shira. If you're out there, you're lovely. Uh, we're newlyweds. So I'm really. I know. I was at your. I was at your wedding, by the way. It was a wonderful <laughs> wedding. Yeah, he drove in. What a guy. Anyways, six and a half hours through a what was that? A winter storm. In, in over the map. Anyways, anyways, sorry, sorry. Hey, you were at my wedding, so I, of course I'm going to return the favor. I know. I met some good friends there. Anyways, so the whole thing is, let's say I go out on a date, okay? So same thing for you. Let's say you got on a call with somebody for the first time, okay? Well, they didn't really respond afterwards. I sent a text. Hey, how's it going? How you doing? <laughs> got nothing. Six hours later, winky face. Oh, yeah. God. You know, it's just, what the hell is this guy doing? I'm going to change my address and change my phone number. Not good. <laughs> so what do you do? You know, you keep it cool. Don't respond much. You know, take some time. If they want to reach out, listen, they can open their phone and they know you texted them. You don't need to remind them. So the, I think the, the real thing is here is don't nudge to nudge. Have a reason. And it kind of goes back to the very start. Have a reason of why you're nagging somebody. Right. There needs to be an emotional. Listen, if my mother wanted me to do the dishes growing up, talk to me about all the guilt associated with me. (laughs) I'll get you. Ma, I got you. But if you're just saying do the dishes, I'm just going to be annoyed. But if she talks to me about, you know, how my grandparents came over from the ocean and now I, you know, from Poland and now I have all of this. I have all of these opportunities that they didn't have. Well, I'm going to do these dishes, you know, (laughs) anyways. Sorry, a little Jewish guilt for you. I am <laughs> love my mother. Anyways, You're Jewish. Jo- oh yes, very Jewish. You should have gone to my bar mitzvah when I was thirteen. Yeah, yeah. But we didn't know each other then. How sad. Anyways, yeah. So I think the Trojan horse here is again. You kind of you say something that is maybe endearing or reminded you of something. It's like oh, like this. You know, if I'm dating some of this girl. I'm saying, oh, I got, I got indigestion. You know, oh my God, remember that burrito we got? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Please God, don't. <laughs> but you just say like, hey, you know, ran into so-and-so. They said that blah, blah, blah. You know, anyways, uh, yeah. Do, do you want to just kind of seeing, would you want to go on a, another date or some, sh- something like that? I don't really know. You go, Brian. This is why we don't come up with these sorts of things off the top of our head. Sit Sit and think about these things before you send follow-ups. That's the first rule. Don't just do what Mark did. And don't follow dating advice from Mark. Not good. I'm out, I'm out of the game. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we're both freshly out of the game within the last couple of years. So it's like, we're the success stories, Mark. So we, they should be listening to us, right? I'll talk about that in therapy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the, the point of this though is like, if you've had a past conversation, especially at length, especially if they've expressed interest in working with you, this is a good time to... If you want to make an excuse to follow up, give them something of value to reach out to them. Hey, I just came across this article on blank. Thought it'd be very helpful for you since you are blank, since you are struggling with blank, or since you're working on blank, or since you're waiting on blank, whatever it is they're waiting on or struggling with or or trying to figure out. Let me know if uh, this is helpful or something like that. Like, yeah, just offer some value. Offering value is always the easiest way to follow with people, like 100% of the time. So let's move on to follow-up type number four. This follow-up type is when the, the type of follow-up when you need to move on on a project. So going back to type number two, when you need to establish a deadline, that's the kind of follow-ups when you're establishing a deadline, you're reaching out to see if they're interested or whatever. This is at the end, once you've reached that deadline, this is basically saying like, this is your final chance. So Mark, do you want to read the example she gave in this article? And then we'll kind of give our own Thoughts on this? I'll get through it a little quicker so it's less boring. Anyways, hi, Edward. (laughs) Come on. Hi, Edward. I'm writing to see how your search is progressing for the senior writer position. I'm still very interested in joining the team. Another opportunity has come up in the last two weeks. My availability might be changing soon, but I didn't want to make any major decisions before knowing your timeline. I'm looking forward to hearing an update when you get a chance. All right. So what she's done in this email has just very nicely with like, very politically correct office speak, which my old roommate, Brandon, who's been on this podcast was great at. I've never been good at this. I'm always like, do you want to move on or not? Brandon is so good. Yeah. I'm so East coast. I'm just like in or out. Yeah. Like that's, that's, yeah, the email just says, 
are you in or out? <laughs> like, in or out. Yeah. I'm busy. I'm going out to lunch soon. In or out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a true professional words, their emails like this and me and Mark are more on the like amateur side of this stuff. But the, there's a few things going on with this. The first is just establishing, reestablishing whatever connection I'm writing to see how your search is progressing for the senior writing, blah, blah, blah. You're basically saying like, how's it going along in X, Y, or Z? Like here, here's that. There's nothing interesting about this. So I'll move on. The next section is another opportunity has come up in the last two weeks, basically saying like, this is the thing I need to say this excuse before I tell you, this is like the thing that justifies why, why this deadline or why this ultimatum essentially is being established. This is why I am moving on. There needs to be some sort of why. And a good example is like my schedule is filling up. I have only this availability. I wanted to reach out before I give this to another client or before this disappear, whatever. And then she goes on to say, I just wanted to make sure you didn't want to work with me basically before I move on, before I make my decision, that kind of thing. Mark, do you want to give a better example for the six-figure creative community here? I think the best way to look at this is, have you ever heard about the DTR, defining the relationship? Oh, I was thinking about a different three-letter acronym that starts with DT, but I'm glad that you're saying DTR. Got it. Yep. No, this is literally defining the relationship, kind of going back to dating is hey, uh, listen, I already sent you three wink emojis uh, over the last two weeks. I visited your mother's house and she said, get out of here. Listen, I, I, I don't like thinking about you, but I'm, I'm occasionally doing so. I have a date coming up. I'm feeling conflicted. Are you into this or not? And that either way is fine. We're still cool. No hard feelings, but I got some other interest here. That's it. You basically went from like utter creep to reasonable guy <laughs> in a span of three sentences. <laughs> this is how I got married. <laughs> yeah. This is dating <laughs> advice from Mark. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So again, like when we talk about establishing deadlines, if there's a deadline with no consequences, then was it really a deadline? Have you ever actually sat down and thought about where your next client will come from? Most freelancers don't because most freelancers, number one strategy for getting new clients is something called hope marketing. And if that sounds like you, you're not alone. Most freelancers think that just by putting out great work, clients will come banging down your door to hire you. Now, while you obviously do need to be good at what you do, we both know that this strategy does not work. Otherwise, your calendar would be 100% booked solid with amazing projects from your ideal clients. So to help you with this fight against hopium addiction, I'm excited to announce that our flagship coaching program, Clients by Design, has finally opened up applications again. This transformational coaching journey is not a one-size-fits-all. It's tailor-made just for you. We'll do a deep dive into your business to see what's missing, and we'll lay out a step-by-step -step roadmap to guide you over the next six to eight months. And here's the best part. We don't just give you the plan and send you on your way. We give you personal one-on-one -on -one help so you never get stuck. And we make sure you actually follow through with something called our absolute accountability system. So if you're ready to stop relying on hope marketing and ready to start building your own client acquisition machine so you can get a steady flow of clients, then it's time to step up and apply for clients by design and see if you're a good fit. Just go to sixfigurecreative.com slash coach. And I'll be the first to say that this program is not for everyone. So far, we've only accepted about 25% of those who apply. So if you want to find out if you're a good fit, just go to sixfigurecreative.com slash coach and fill out the application. Now here's our show. Like this is your, this is where you're stating some sort of consequence for missing the deadline. This can work. You can find a way to make this work, whether it's for sales, whether it's for collecting files, whether it's for collecting final payment, whether it's for like any, honestly, any deadline at all, there has to be a consequence for it. And this email establishes the consequences and gives them a final chance to take action before that consequence happens. And I think what's really important, and I, I feel even weird having to say this, but I remember where when I was only freelancing at that time when I was only producing and if something doesn't go your way, it's very easy to take it personally because you are your business. So I think the main thing for longevity, the interesting thing about the creative industry versus, you know, more corporate stuff is we have a smaller industry. There's just less people. Chances are the person you have a dream of being connected to is one or two people away right now, even if you just got started. It's not it's not that crazy. So Really, this is an opportunity for you to establish that you can still maintain a good relation with this person. There are in other industries advices that you will get where you're supposed to kind of pump your chest and say how much you're worth. And we've done this, we've done that. 
It sounds like we are no longer a fit, blah, blah, blah. That is not what you should ever do if you are in the creative industry whatsoever. You should just respectfully say, this is not personal. I have some things going on. You're fantastic. You're great. I just may not have enough time for you. So I may just invest my time elsewhere. That's all you're doing. Yeah, that's a really, really, really good point. So this is probably the most dangerous of all the follow-up types. Because you could easily really screw up your reputation because if you're the the young kid or something that's just getting started and you're talking to somebody who may be a couple steps higher, like enough steps where there is a clear difference, if you kind of establish that you're busy or you're too busy or whatever, you just got to be mindful of how you write this because it could backfire and you could come across as extremely arrogant if you don't write it the right way. And people don't forget. People don't forget that. All right. So let's move on to this last one, which is one of your, one of your specialties, Mark, because you're good at this. And it's also one that I don't think our audience knows enough about. So we'll talk about this follow-up type and then even give a little bonus advice from Mark Eckert himself. This is the follow-up when you've just got introed to somebody. First of all, Mark, explain what an intro is. So our audience is following along. If you've never been introed through email, just explain what that is real quick. It's weird. Okay. So this is, that's probably the start. So if you like, if somebody's introing one of your homies through text, they're gonna be like, Hey Joe, this is Pam. Hey Pam, this is Joe. And then they, they, and then you say what you're good at and that's it. And then they connect through email because it's very official. It can have like kind of this more awkward, less laid back. What's up, bro? Yo, man, it's great to meet you, dog. It's not going to be that through text. Through email, it's always typically going to be very official. Even if you are in the creative industry, it's where everybody puts on their official hat. So <laughs> it's, it's really strange. I actually don't really know why that is. So this is essentially where it's where like, I want to meet JoJo. And I have a mutual friend who also knows JoJo. And so I say, hey, CeeLo, I'm just making up stupid names. Hey, hey, Mark, can you introduce me to JoJo? And Mark says, sure, let me do an intro. And he'll email both of us in an email thread and say, hey, JoJo, this is my friend, Brian. Brian, this is my friend, JoJo. Now kiss. And so really important thing with strategy here, typically you intro on email to set a precedent that you respect people's personal contact information and they get to opt in whether or not they want to talk personally with that person. An interesting thing about e-intros is, so for instance, I'm, while I, you know, mainly a producer, I've been in music licensing and publishing for years now. That's, you know, we've been building that a lot and music licensing and publishing is notoriously very small circle. So getting an intro is one of the most amazing pieces of value somebody can offer you. It's also, especially if you're in the creative industry where relationship is the most important thing here, it is really a testament of how much somebody trusts you. Because if I introduce Brian to one of my friends, Brian would never do this, but if he said something really whack, like really strange or just a little off kilter, that could actually ruin my relationship with that person. Yeah, I just send back a 30-page re reply of my sock collection and how proud I am of all the socks that I have. Yeah. Yeah, my friend would be like, this guy is insane. <laughs> um, do not share my information anymore. You know, goodbye. So <laughs> uh, weird sock, dude, never again. <laughs> so really, one of the, and a bigger thing here is if you don't actually have much value that you can offer somebody, anytime you meet somebody, anytime you're trying to get introductions, again, this is all I'm doing lately is getting intros to the right people. That's my goal for, for the foreseeable year. It's always about how can you provide value. And if you are lower than somebody essentially on the totem pole and you have nothing that you can do, there's not a single deal that you can come up with that is going to help them or whatever. One of the most valuable resources you have is not money, it's not deal, it's not business skills, it's your network. So if you can intro somebody to somebody who's going to help them, you're always going to be in that equation, no matter what. In fact, I know a lot of people that it's kind of best practices that if they make an intro, it's kind of best practices for that person at that specific level who made the intro to get a portion of the deal. That's how valuable relationships can be because there is a huge risk if somebody intros you to somebody. They've built 
that they've built that relationship. They've built their prestige in that particular thing that getting an intro with that amount of validation as an intro immediately approves your credibility. And that is a hard thing to do. So getting good intros by good people to good people, if you can figure that out, and we'll talk about that after, you're going to be a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. Just absolutely. So let me, let me paint like a scenario here. You can read through this kind of, this kind of template that she's laid out in this article. And then we'll, we'll just discuss our own thoughts on what, what's a good thing to put in emails that you're, you're introed in. But here's the scenario. I am a wedding photographer. I want to connect with the biggest wedding planner in my city because this wedding planner is the gatekeeper to all of the major big budget weddings, right? So I have a mutual friend. This mutual friend has been kind enough to intro me and this wedding planner so that I can establish a relationship. So this is the scenario that we're in, in this sort of, I'm now need to know what to say once I've been introed, because what do you say? Like, I've just been introed. They're like, Hey, this is my great wedding photographer friend, Brian Hood. This is the premier best wedding planner in the entire city of Nashville. She works with A-list celebrities. Uh, So you two go for it now. Now kiss, right? Not not really kiss, but I just think about that that hilarious meme where they're like saying now kiss and they push the heads together and it's like, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just ignore me. But they're basically saying like, now take the next step. What are you going to do now? So this the ball's in your court, Brian, which is me. What do I say in this scenario? Read the, read, read the template that she provided here and then we can just kind of talk more on this scenario here. Cool. Hey, Katie. Thanks for introducing us, Sam. Moving you to BCC. So what does that mean, by the way? It means you are moving them to a portion of the email where they're not going to see all of the future exchanges together. And this is just um, common courtesy. Like whenever, whenever they introduce people together, if you reply all, the person who introed you is now going to get that reply. And then that person who replies is going to reply all. So by putting the person in the BCC, it just removes them from the conversation. It's literally like getting introed on a group text and then you just text them privately after that. That's moving to BCC. Katie, as Sam mentioned, I'm looking for a set designer for my upcoming show, which is premiering this fall at ACT. She's saying your praises, and I'd love to talk more about your experience and possibly working together. We're assembling the crew by mid-May, which you'd be available for a 30-minute chat in the next two weeks. I'm free in the evenings after 5 p.m. for phone or a video call. Let me know if you're interested and a day that might work for you. So we can obviously bring this back to the example that I just gave, because whether you're a wedding photographer, a music producer, graphic designer, you can kind of get the gist of, of my example with a wedding photographer. You're being connected to somebody that has a lot of high-end projects that you could take advantage of. How do we respond to this situation? So the first thing is we BCC the person who entered us. So we're not annoying that person with the conversation back and forth because no one likes being in the group text, Mark. Are all your group texts in iMessage, are they all on do not disturb? So you don't get notified when group texts come in? You know what? I just had a whole thing about this because I had a group text that was lovely. It was four to five people. And then one of them decided to add all their friends and the group text got ruined. And so I've had to create a new one with those specific people. And now I'm in an awkward moment where like 11 of those people are not in this small group text anymore. And I feel terrible about it. So yeah, man, you, you empathize with me here. It's a big deal. All right. So <laughs> then uh, just moving on with this, this sort of uh, follow-up when you've been introed. What do we do from here? Like, how do we establish a relationship? Go for the ask. Like, she's doing a bunch of stuff in this email, but I don't really want to go to this template that much because the template's, you know, not six-figure creative worthy. Yes, exactly. Are you asking me or did you want to talk yeah, about this? Yeah, like, what do, you, what do you say when you've been intro to somebody? So you have to be cautious. Did they intro you for a tactical reason or did they intro you for a strategic reason? Yeah, so context. Context is everything in your replies. This one that we just read, this is a tactical reason. This person's building a set or a show. They need a set designer. They got a referral for work. That's, that's, you know, like, Hey, similar to, Hey, you're a great producer and you've been introduced to an artist. Well, that's, that's very like, okay, you guys are going to make a track together. They're looking for a producer to hire right now. Strategic partnerships are a little bit different where it's like, Hey, you guys have like a lot of similar things going on. You're both really smart come from a similar, you know, I don't know, town or something, and you guys would vibe, I think you guys should chat. I think it would be a really fun time you guys talking together. So it's kind of like you have two, two approaches. One is a general approach, like, hey, yes. you two should chat. And the other one is a specific approach. Hey, you two should chat about this upcoming wedding yes. or this upcoming project specifically. Yeah. So if it's tactical, 
immediately you say, you know, hey, this is what I have going on. This is what I need. This person said you are great. I would love to chat. Here is my availability and expectations of the call and what I'm willing to do. Let me know if you're into that. That's all it is. Now, if it's strategic, meaning it's just a general call, like something you think they should connect. Let's just chat about what possibilities we have here. Yeah, for instance, so like I've been intro to a bunch of people. For those of you that don't know, I run thatpitch.com and we do, we get all of your songs into licensing companies and music licensing companies. That's, that's what we work on. So we get you deals within music licensing. I've been introed to people who, you know, run licensing companies. I've been intro to music supervisors. I've been in intro to influencers who need a bunch of music. And that's more of a tactical, maybe partially strategic approach, but it's mainly tactical. This person has this problem. They need a bunch of music for a catalog. They need whatever. Here is the guy. He is the contact, me, that gets a bunch of songs into these catalogs. So you guys should have a conversation and figure that out because that is a problem we are solving. And those are like, to me, that's the ideal situation. Like we all want to be introduced as a solution to a problem. But let's, let's, let's back out and just say, what if it's not so specific? What if it is more general? Like you two would be a good, could be a good fit. You two should chat. That's the general approach. Yeah. So typically if it's a good, you know, you guys should, should chat for me, that's actually a free opportunity for me to talk to an interesting person and to do research on what their problems are. And then I guess establish some credibility and authority of what I do but I'm not trying to get a deal on that call. I'm trying to learn as much as I can about that person. So if I do have something to offer, uh, I could help them, but I'm not going out of the gate of, I do this, I do that. I'm amazing. The first thing I say is, Hey, so-and-so says you're awesome. Oh my God, you're doing this, that, and that. Tell me, Oh my God, tell me about this. That's so cool. And then we just go through that. And I don't even care if they ask me anything. I don't care. They, they, they spent a half hour, 20 minutes, an hour with me. They're going to look me up. Worse comes to worse. But my whole thing is like, I want to learn about them. I want to learn about their goals, what they have in mind for their future. I want to learn about their problems. It's a free way for me to learn about somebody very important from a very personal perspective. Because if you don't get those intros, what you have to do is you have to nag somebody to get on a call that you don't know. And a lot of times you have to pay for their time. A lot of consultations that I pay for to meet somebody, if I have no mutual connection, I just want to pay for their time as you know my resort, essentially. I, I'm literally just interviewing them usually. I want to figure out what are they going through? What are their problems? How can I learn about stuff? And I establish that I'm the real deal, not by a mutual connection, but through money. I'm willing to figure that stuff out. So does that make sense? Yes. So let's talk about like, cause this is an area that I think our audience could be much, much better at. And I know this just because I could be much, much better at it. We've never talked about it before because this is not a strategy that I use in any of my businesses. And it's something that I could use in all of my businesses. How do you get intentionally get introductions as a, as a creative, as a freelancer, as, in, as just a business owner in general? So it depends on where you're at in your business. So you have to think about your resources and this is kind of ambiguous, but I'll break it down. A lot of people think about resources and they think about how much money they have. And that's just one, that's capital resources. That's just one, like for instance, if you ever played like Age of Empires or something like that, like one of those yes. strategy games. Big, right? big fan back in the day. Man. Oh my God, so good. So yeah. these strategy games, right? And for those of you who don't know, it's like kind of building a little empire sort of thing on a remote island. It's dumb. It's great. But you have different resources. You have wood, you have food, you have coins, you have people. And depending on what you want, takes different resources, right? And it's no different than what you experience in business. If you are talking to somebody, maybe they really just want money for a specific service. That is what they do. And that's kind of the best case for everybody. A lot of times people want to problem solve. A lot of times people sometimes just want understanding. You don't really know. And so for me, I have to get in touch with very, very, very unattainable people. They are people that probably have three to 500 unique emails from different people every single day trying to get in contact with them. Oof. Oh, it's, I mean, these are founders of massive companies. And the reason I do that is because when you talk to the person at the very top, there is no other reason for a decision to not be made. And 
the only person that if this is very particular to me, because I'm talking about talking to big companies or something like that in music licensing or video companies that need music, et cetera. The founders are the only people that are not in a corporate structure, meaning they're the only people that are not worried about keeping their jobs. So what I do is if I talk to somebody that is, you know, maybe middle of it or, you know, kind of just starting out every time they talk about you, they're risking their job. That, that is so high friction for you to get anywhere that it's going to take forever. Whereas if you can get to the very, very top and they're not worried about their job, every time they just mention you, you're automatically approved. You're going to talk to everybody you can. They're going to intro you to everybody because they have the blessing of the person in charge, essentially. And it's just how corporations, businesses, even labels. Well, yeah, I would say, bring this back, bring this back to the freelance world, because in any world, I, I call these gatekeepers. Like these are the people that, that, that control lots and lots, like big, big amounts of money for you or lots and lots of projects for you. Yeah. So getting an intro to that person is very difficult. And I promise I'll bring it back. The way that you get intro to those people is what I call a referral partner. And what I try to do is, and write this down, what I try to do as much as I can is find a common vendor that I am friends with. A mutual friend is fine. That's great. But a common vendor is somebody they are already buying from. They're already buying from them for a different solution. And if they recommend you, it's not a vouch of a person. It's a cross-sell. It's an upsell. And it's a way that if they, if that vendor, for instance, if you're a photographer, okay, we'll bring it back because we're getting really ambiguous. I'm sorry. If you're a photographer and let's say that you need to rent out a photography studio for a shoot, right? Uh, you need to rent gear. Okay. Let's say this big warehouse studio actually doesn't have any gear for rent. Okay. Well, you're going to naturally ask the person in charge at the warehouse of this photography studio. And they're going to say, oh, you should use this rental company. Well, who are you going to use? That rental company. The one that was referred to by the, by the photography studio space. Because you're already paying that person. They've established trust. They say they do what they're doing. And you, by proxy, assume that if they're recommending somebody, that that person is just as reliable. So I try to always find a common vendor. A vendor is just somebody who supplies a product for somebody. Or service. Product or service. Yeah. So, and it's same thing. If you hire out a studio, if you're an artist, you know, let's, let's say you're actually, you know, paying for time at a studio, you know, thousand dollars a day, really expensive stuff. You need session players. Well, the producer recording engineer is going to get his homies on it. That's just how it works. So you want a common vendor. That vendor, those vendors, you need to think ambiguously here. It's a vendor. It's somebody who's already gotten the trust of the buyer. That's who you want. And so if you want to work with labels, you want to work with artists, you get tight with the manager or you get tight with not the A&R, the director of A&Rs. If you want to, you know, if you want the director of A&R to start prioritizing you tight with the person in charge of operations and the operations person, nobody's contacting them. They got 500 people on link on Instagram. They're probably well connected on LinkedIn, but I also try to contact them. The place where you look the most important for me, I look very impressive on Instagram. It's true. I'm an idiot, but I look impressive there. For some reason, I have a decent amount of following, I guess. Do you look impressive on LinkedIn? Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't. I look, I don't even, I haven't touched my LinkedIn in like 10 years. So yeah, but I, so for business to business stuff, and again, you know, it is relatable to a producer who's on here or a mix engineer who's on here is because you're going to get hired by the label. The artist can vouch for you but you're going to go where there's a deal with the label. I mean, that's happening. Like for me doing label work still as a producer, it's like my contacts at the label, the head of A&R is the one who is, you know, dealing with a lot of this stuff. So if I'm tight with that, they're going to recommend you to another person. Let me bring this back to, to our world. Sorry. It's okay, Mark. (laughs) You're again, you're like me. You're a, you're a, a serial entrepreneur. You probably have ADHD too. And I'm substitute teacher today, bro. Yeah, Substitute host. I'm Mr. Schneebly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mr. Schneebly. So bring it back to our world. We've talked about this in the past. I call it your, like your, your referral circle. You can call it whatever you want, but think about it. Like I'm going to use my, my background in music production as the example here, where in music production, there are a lot of other freelancers out there who serve the same customer as me. 
So if you are a band, if you're an artist, you might hire me for production or mixing and mastering, whatever it is that you want to hire me to do. And then you might also go to uh, a videographer to do your music video. You might go to a PR agent to do your PR. You might go to a lawyer to do, you know, whatever lawyer you have to do. You might go to, you know, there's other people that are serving my client, the one that I've already worked with. So I should have people in all these other positions that I'm referring my clients to. And by doing that, I'm able to get introed to the other clients that they serve. If there's someone specific that I want to be introduced to from my videographer that I send tons of work to over the years, they worked with someone that I've always wanted to get connected with. There's an intro chance right there. I reached out to that videographer. Can you introduce me to Kanye? I've always wanted to produce Kanye. I've just never been able to get in touch with him because he's weird and he doesn't believe in technology. So can you get me an intro and my videographer will get it done. So yeah, going back to Kanye. No, I'm kidding. The thing is, is you also have to incentivize that person if you can. Ooh, yeah. How so? How can you do it? Uh, is, is the amount of work that I'm referring them over the years not enough of an incentive? So check this out. This is kind of the, I, I'll bring this back to somebody that I literally just ran into at this coffee shop. She's a good friend of mine and she has a flower business. And basically she was like, how do I get more clients? And so I was just, you know, I was taking a break for an hour. I was just hanging out. And I was like, all right, I'll help you. So She's great. But she was going, you know, from person to person targeting customers, right? And I was like, you can't be looking at it that way. Who gets flowers? And we made a bunch of different potential audiences, weddings, corporate events, you know, all these different things, funerals. (laughs) And so a few different things. And I said, okay, which one do you think would be the least competitive right now? And we said funerals. Uh, Because nobody, as far as flower people, they're going to go for weddings first because it's cheerful, it's happy, and that's what you see everybody talk about. And they typically have large budgets too, which is a big incentive for people. Exactly. So if you go to funerals, I always say go for the ugly duck first. You know, like back in the day when I started that pitch, I was working with music supervisors. Those were the sexy ones to get in with. Now And back then, licensing companies and stuff that we work with weren't as cool. Now that's where everybody wants to go. And we're already set with all of them. So I told her like, go to the, all the funeral homes and just give them a ridiculous deal. And I said, the first one that you lock in, give it to them at cost, but tell them if anybody asks, I'm this price, which was a high price. And then going back to what we talked about, the best way to work with Coca-Cola is to say you're working with Pepsi. All right. She's going around to where all the dead people are going. And she's saying, hey, this dead center, I'm working with them. We've been working for a while, blah, blah, blah. And then you basically have given that first company as an early adopter, your first client or whatever, you're giving them preferential treatment. But they're going to be selling you to every single, you know, funeral that happens there. And she's doing phenomenal. You know, it was like it was not even a problem to make this happen. Again, if you want to remix tracks, get in touch with a producer who, you know, does a bunch of client work that doesn't do remixes. If you're a producer and you want to work with a bunch of artists, contact a playlist company that works with a bunch of artists that is doing PR. You know, if you're a playlist company, get in touch with a distribution company that has a bunch of artists already. Right. Again, we call, they call these the gatekeepers. We, we've talked about these today, but the question is, how do you get intro to these gatekeepers to the first one, at least? Like, how do you establish the first connection there? So, yeah, if it's uh, the first thing you want to do is if you can find a mutual connection that has a lot of validation, that would be great. If you can't do that, then uh, a vendor partner, as I said, would be fantastic. But if you just send them like I just DM everybody on Instagram or LinkedIn And I start out with similar to how these are written out, but a little bit different. I give them a very, very intricate compliment that I truly mean. And I say, you know, blah, 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 you know, in this part of the industry, they don't do it this way. And I just want to let you know, I really admire how you've been doing it this particular way. I really admire that because of this reason, that reason, and that reason. And I just think you guys are overall making people happier than most. And I I just wanted to let you know that would love to, you know, chat sometimes, see how you got where you are. I think it's really interesting. And there's not many people as aware 
that I've seen as you in this, in this, whatever. And typically they'll say yes, or they'll just say cheers and that's it. And then you respond with another follow-up. I'd love to pay for your time sometime, blah, blah, blah. And that's when you put in, you know, so it's kind of level by level mutual friend. That's, that's a big deal. First vendor partner that they're already buying from DM kiss ass. And then the last one is pay. <laughs> that's <laughs> the last, for the last time. resort. If there's somebody yeah. you really want to connect with offer to pay for their time, which, you know, what's funny is I, I will, um, I'll get offers for people to pay for my time and I never take it. Like to me, it's like, you're either going to pay my full hundred percent rate for what it is that I would charge for anything that I do, my hourly rate, or I'm going to do it for free. It, that's really it. Or I'm not going to do it at all. I don't think I've ever actually really had to pay. They, it's really just a huge compliment to them. And they're like, damn, this person's like, all right. Okay. Yeah. Let's I'll put 20 minutes aside. It's, you know, it's like they're really complimented by the gesture itself, but some of the top people that I've offered to pay for their time, never, I just approached it the right way. That's fine. All right. Well, I think that's, that's a good place to wrap up here. Just to finish things off here, I want to remind anyone who needs my follow-up guide. If you're a music producer, audio engineer, mixing engineer, go to followup.guide. That's the URL. And if it doesn't work for some reason, again, it's in our show notes over at sixfigurecreative.com slash 170 slash 170. Mark, where can people go? If oh, Where do you want to send our audience? Where, where do you want them to go? If you produce music or you make music at all, your artist, whatever, go to thatpitch.com. We distribute a bunch of your tracks into a bunch of licensing companies and you keep 100% of whatever deal you land. It's thatpitch.com and we have actually a 20% off coupon for uh, the audience of Six Figure Creative. And all you got to do is just put in Six Figure Creative. Any last thoughts here, Mark, as we uh, in this episode? Yeah, again, to kind of just wrap everything up, you conservatively are going to make at least double your income by just having a good follow-up procedure, really good strategy of knowing when to contact somebody for the right reason at the right time with the right incentivization so they know when to get back to you with your goal in mind. Again, conservatively, you're going to double your income just from this. For me personally, I've at least 10x my income just by, again, knowing the art of the nag. So yeah, just study up on that. And uh, I, I think you're, you're going to do a lot for your career. 